OTB Sports Rugby. Some of the hype around Jack Crowley has been premature. He's played pretty well, but having him as the second coming of Christ seems to be a little bit aggressive. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, was a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. There's Fester. (laughs) (laughs) See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, you know what? I'd actually debate that with you. (laughs) It is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. uh, (laughs) Let's make that clear. (laughs) I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Ah yes, new year, new us, a slight tangent coming at you, we're very excited. It's myself, it's Michael McCarthy, it's Arthur O'Dee, Willow Callahan back, he's uh, got those pointy elbows out and Colin Buick, out you go, that's my seat. Yeah, no pressure after <laughs> Colin's fantastic debut, I would have said before Christmas. He was very, very good. Adequate? A keen. <laughs> oh, all the critics the first time. Colin, as I know you listen, I thought you were great. <laughs> Superb. His boxing hot take is about the only thing I would have taken issue with if I'd been here. Yeah, but then you know what? It injected a bit of oomph at the start. It was so terrible that it got everybody sitting up straight going. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is the slot where OTB PM slash FM uh, sit around and talk <laughs> about various things. Emails have been coming into a slight tangent at offtheball.com. We're going to touch on uh, Roy Keane, Tommy Tiernan. That's one of the big talking points of the week in Irish sporting media and whatever you're having yourself. Some emails just to get the ball rolling at the top. Hi, Joe and team. That is the preferred. <laughs> Where are the tangent ears on this? The tangent ears. Uh, easily the best segment and off the ball, lies Connor. Thanks for your email, Connor. What's next, Joe? <laughs> You're getting in here, uh, uh, My question, talking point is, I think this is kind of interesting. I haven't given it too much thought. In the last 10, 20 years, are we living in the greatest era of sports people or goats, as they say? A list, and I'm sure I forgot a few, to back up the argument is as follows. So are we living in the greatest era of goats? And Connor lists out Tiger Woods, Federer slash Nadal slash Djokovic, Serena Williams, Messi slash Ronaldo, Dan Carter slash O'Driscoll, if you're of an Irish rugby um, persuasion, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Tom Brady, Katie Taylor. Thanks, Connor. That is interesting. Now, my instinct is to say, our oh, recency bias, come on. And yet I read that list. We may well not see a 10, 20 year period with as many goats for the rest of our sporting lives. That's pretty damn Yeah, it's a good list. Like, it's a good list when you put it together like that. There does seem to be, we have seemed to have lived through an era of, you can't define eras, but people who were dominating and so far ahead in their own sport. Well, let's go through it. Tiger Woods didn't beat Jack's record. Played the best golf we've ever seen. Yeah. Hands down. Well, Major's only one measure of what he did. He's, like, only, yeah. he's won 82 PGA tournaments. A lot more of well a competitive sport than when Jack Nicklaus played as well. I think, I think people in golf would say Jack's a great champion, but Tiger is almost comfortably ahead of anyone. So that's Woods, yes. Uh, whether you pick Federer or Nadal or Djokovic, you're saying that's the gold in tennis. Yeah, I don't know. But see, there's things that factor into it, like, and maybe maybe that is a, a maybe it backs it up, but like their longevity, 
Like previous generations couldn't do that just based on the treatment. Like you just get you know get dogged for how many years and you're gone. Like point. retiring in your early thirties. That's a fair point. You know, Kenny brings that up later on when we talk about Gareth Bale. It's like you can't hold the injuries against him. So maybe that applies yeah. to previous generations. They only had a certain amount of sports science. They had a shorter window. And weird things like I think Bjorn Borg only played like one Australian Open. <laughs> you just weren't flying down there. there. Yeah, it's a good the, point. Yeah, Bjorn Borg's not kind of notorious. Notorious is the wrong word, but synonymous with Wimbledon. Uh, maybe not all of them in the way the others are. But here's, here's a crappy quiz question. Last Friday, Joe, the two boys were on us, right? So here's your. When was the last winner of Wimbledon men's that wasn't one of the big four? So you're including Murray in there as well, who did live with them for a while, even if he was never at that level. The time is the issue here. Even Isovich? No, it was slightly later than Ivan Isovich. It was 2002, Leighton Hewitt. Ivan Isovich was 01. So, you know, oh, you're close. It's very, very close. It's very good. Uh, but that's 21 years this year. You know, if, if, if a 20 year period, and uh, we obviously don't know what's going to happen in 2023, 20, 20 year period of um, no winner outside of those four guys. An exceptional unreal. quiz question, by the way. Was yeah. I was top, top. Happy with Too it. exceptional. Yeah. I got it wrong. Did everybody guess Sampras? Uh, I don't know what they get. No, you just is like oh, Sillich okay. or something. I went, did you? Yeah, but I knew I was well off on it. Serena Williams, the goat. Messi, good argument is the goat. The Ruby one, I'm not as sure to be honest. No, Carter. I don't think so. No. Uh, Phelps, potentially, yeah. Usain Bolt, yeah. Ronnie O'Sullivan, yeah. Is Brady the best NFL player? I think so. Best NFL quarterback. Like I mean, it's hard to. Yeah, okay. it's, it's hard and to, Katie Taylor in women's boxing. To be fair, she's coming. Women's yeah. boxing is coming from a signing star. <laughs> so somebody texted in already to say that we forgot Phil Taylor. Give me a better era. <laughs> Joe doesn't want to even get. Joe's like, we're not going to have a dark triangle here. It's a well-curated list. <laughs> but give me a better era, a twenty, a better twenty-year, ten-year well, period for goats. the era, but like, so it would start in ninety-seven or yeah. so. So let's mark Kenny it Taylor vaguely at in mid-nineties back. The twenty-first century. It beats maybe? the nineteen seventies to the nineties. Very, then it gets very hard for us to go 50s, 70s. How do we know? Yeah, it's impossible, really. Um, was your instinct to go recency bias and shoot it down as well? I think it is. I think it is because it's not, you can't, you're just not making a judgment of fair analysis. You know what? You're not giving as much time to the other people you're judging them against, ultimately. And that said, it's a compelling list. It's a compelling list, but I just think if you do the same thing 25 years ago, the list 25 years back looks equally compelling. Why I are we... In another 20 years, though. A lot of those names will still be there. We'll come back, we'll reconvene. <laughs> what a note. That's the way to settle that email. I just wonder why we're also, and I am among them, why we're also obsessed with the of all time part of things. Like, you know, it's like when it was, we went from the World Cup with Messi into Pele dying. Yeah. And it just was like weeks and weeks of, is someone the greatest of all time? And it, like, it really matters. But sure, there's like, a, it's, I know everybody knows it's subjective, but it's also, it's futile and pointless and... Yeah, sports <laughs> radio. <laughs> but it's not. I actually <laughs> found in some of the tributes, it cheapened the Pele tributes a little bit too, where some of you were reading, oh, Pele, who is considered among the very best with Maradona and Messi, like, he's the best footballer of his era. Mm. We have to leave it at that. But then we'd never have a radio show. No. So either talk about that or give it a bit of RTE. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't, can't wait for the Tommy no, Turner I'm not, I, in your thunder. I'm not saying we should never talk about it I'm just, I'm just wondering why that specific one there's loads of pointless arguments we can have because but it's the, cheap and easy but is, is it just that? I is think just so that? just cheap and easy and everybody has an opinion and kind of engaging and yeah. it's nice to know actually not so much what we think but it's nice to know who Kenny Cunningham because it comes up later on yeah. who Kenny Cunningham thinks is the best Irish player yeah, yeah. It's, it just is interesting to know what they think yeah, but then I just always, everybody has different qualifications. That's actually my biggest issue, isn't that it's futile and pointless, is that everybody has different qualifications. So it's like, 
yeah, would Messi be a better player right now than Pele? Yes, but does that mean that Pele wasn't better because he was in a different era of different training and different pitches and different rules? And Do you know what the ultimate uh, different criteria yeah. discussion is if someone is world-class? Nobody agrees on what world-class means. Some people think it means, oh, well, if it's... An, an the best ele- in the world. 11 players named today in the team, would they be in that team? Whereas others have a far broader yeah. world-class qualification. Next, I like know. the RT one, though, the RT panel one. Great. Mm-hmm. Is it positive? Ah! Uh, <laughs> statue limitations, that's the old RT panel. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I did say the old RT panel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, jo- John... What about the last John- decade? <laughs> Giles and Dunphy were obsessed with the word great and, and Brady was only too happy to join in. When I he... thought that was so good. That made it such an interesting thing because if they conferred greatness on somebody, it really had been earned. Oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't get that easily. No. Absolutely. Hi, lads. Going through Dublin Airport one Saturday morning a while back, I saw all the football fans, typically men aged 35 to 55, going about in their Aston Villa, Man United, Leeds, Liverpool jerseys en route to the UK for games. Got me wondering how much Irish football fans must spend each year in attending these games, buying jerseys, etc. Imagine what impact that could have if redirected into supporting their local League of Ireland team. And he mentioned a recent TikTok where a guy in Birmingham was pointing out the hypocrisy of Irish superfans criticising their team in the UK from the comfort of their box rooms in Dublin. Uh, Given very few Irish players now playing the Premier League, is it not just weird that we're so into it? So two questions. What do you think is the average combined annual amount spent by Irish fans on English and Scottish football? And is supporting UK teams not a bit mad? This is coming from a person who was a massive Man United fan as a kid, but grew out of it when I was 15. Happy New Year, David Wicklow. David, thank you for the email. Uh, Will very brilliantly uh, sought out the information. So there was a piece in the Irish Examiner. You can have your answer, uh, David, to the uh, uh, the cent, really. 120,000 fans per year from Ireland go over. And the amount spent, 25 million? Yeah. Or the Ireland's piece. Which I think I read something very similar to Tally's with this a couple of years ago as well, where they were estimating around 100,000 was yeah. worth somewhere in the 20 million range at the time. So maybe it's even increased a bit in the last couple of years. Is it a bit That's, daft? Is it a bit silly? Well, it supposes the fact that those supporters who are going to Scotland or England don't also support their League of Ireland club. Sure. I'm not sure that Venn diagram doesn't have a little bit of overlap there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd look at it and say, it is a bit odd, but then football fandom, right the way through isn't all that logical in some respects either. Yeah. Like, you're, okay, in the League of Ireland, you're supporting a bunch of players who don't come from your locale playing for a team. Yeah. yeah. If you want to get really into the weeds of it. Yeah, and if, like, if you're in Dublin, what is even your locale in terms of where the team even play and yeah. what's your area? If, if did your team used to play in Dublin 6 and then in Dublin 4 and now in Dublin 24, what, are your, what is your connection to them if you're a Shamrock Rovers fan? You know I, what I mean? It's fine if you're from Tala and you start supporting them in the last 15 years, but... I think someone's absolutely allowed to say, I, really, I prefer the higher standard of football, the razzmatazz. Yeah, okay, it's a bit odd as a kid. I started supporting a team in Manchester or Liverpool, but like, I've now invested 20 years and what I feel for them is very real. I can't get too high on my horse about it. I can, I can if I was having a chat with said emailer, I'd be like, yeah, it is a bit mad, I guess, but... I am all for supporting League of Ireland clubs and some of that 25 million a year going into the League of Ireland would make a big difference. But there are plenty of people who do not feel attached to a club because of the geographical breakdown of the clubs within this country, where they don't feel associated. Like There's large swathes of the country. We think of when Kilkenny and Monaghan uh, went to the wall particularly. Yeah. Those areas just don't have... If you're from Leash, Carlo, Cavan, Monaghan, who are you attached to within the League of Ireland? There's no local club. True. I just don't like people telling people how to spend their money 
and what to do. You know, and it's like it's like a fine. In an ideal world, we'd have a brilliant league of Ireland. It'd be competitive. We'd have a team that maybe scraped through to the Champions League every now and then was regular group stage. I think that's probably our potential. Mm. You know, if everything was right, but we're not. We're we're we've a long long-standing football tradition that's linked with going to England that therefore has built up long-standing supporter bases that isn't going to change. And if people want to go to Old Trafford on the weekend and that's what they do and that's what they spend their money on, they're great. I don't think you should be guilted into saying you should be supporting Shelburne. Mm. You know what I mean? That's like, it's it's whatever. It's an enjoyable pursuit, supposedly. <laughs> we don't know how many of us get too much enjoyment out of it supporting teams. But that's the idea behind it. It's your leisure time. This, you know, this being told what to do and how to support the team is just a constant pet peeve of mine. Um, or how to support sport correctly. I think we yeah. talked about it on one of the first tangents, actually. You know, it's just it's constantly annoying. Like, I mean, that's not to say, as you, as you point out, that the guy who emailed doesn't have a fair point. Hmm. But I just, like, whatever, let people do what they do, you know? Okay. I think that holier-than-thou attitude can be a big turn-off for people who are interested in getting into the league as well. Mm. If they feel that the league is this protected thing that, you know, if you go across England to watch games, you therefore can't become a League of Ireland supporter or... I don't know. I don't think you want to put those barriers up. I think everyone should be trying to get people through the gates. Is it a... I don't know if anyone has an answer to this. Is the League of Ireland, is it welcoming to new fans or is there a degree of, well, I like this band when nobody knew who they were? That's hard to know. It probably depends how far in you go. Like, every club's pretty... The most recent game I think it was at was actually the Bohemians, Liger Rovers, Women's Cup quarterfinal, I think, last year. And obviously, it's in a different place. The, the two things, like that was Sligo's first, Sligo Rovers' first season. Like, so it kind of gives you a taste where everything is. But it was incredibly open and welcoming, and it's a different sort of environment, I suppose. But I, I think, I think you can go along. But it depends how much you want to invest into it. Yeah. Text in Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, anyone? Not of the same era, though. No. You know, so. let's, let's drag Jordan into Tiger's era just uh, actually, yeah, See, it depends yeah. if you draw the lines. You're going to go Schumacher yeah. or Jordan. They're just before the 21st century. Can I uh, introduce Ultimate Slight Tangent before we talk Tommy Tiernan and Roy Keane? Uh, can I interest any of you in following me here? No. This is quasi New Year's resolution. In my right hand is my iPhone 10, I think. It's getting on a bit now. They're up to 14. Are they? Yeah. What? No. I spend expensive. Total ripoff. I spend too much time in this thing. I'm done. I just can't be on it all the time. So that is in my right hand. In my left hand, bought today for 50 euro, is my Nokia 3310. 3310. So, yeah, it's going back. I mean, this was the first phone. There was no camera on my initial 3310, though. I don't, I don't think. think the camera on this is much better than <laughs> the one that wasn't on your 3310. So I've taken SIM card from this iPhone, and it's in my 3310. Okay. And the plan is to uh, text all loved ones and say, listen, you won't get me on WhatsApp anymore. If it's urgent, text me. Text and I'll ring you back or text you back. Or if I'm on uh, my the iPhone, I'll, I'll WhatsApp you back. Uh, otherwise, I'm going off grid. Mm. My plan is just to hate this Nokia phone and to, like I do with my iPhone, pick it up all the time and go, oh, crap, and put it back down. And then over time, spend far less uh, wasted hours scrolling on just utter crap. So I saw the phone earlier. My first assumption was, <laughs> is this Don't actually your 3310 from like 20 years ago? Yeah. Or did you buy one of the newer ones that Nokia have brought out that are kind of retro? Newer retro. Okay. Bigger screen, maybe slightly. Yeah. Still of snake? Is it that colour? It does have snake, yeah. That's 
But I mean, I didn't buy it for Snake. It's amazing how many people have already asked. How have you found the texting? On Awful. The Sorry, so it's, it's, a, it's a nuisance. Like, and, and there's a bunch of things where I'm like, oh, it doesn't have maps, of course. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start bringing my debit card with me everywhere. All of these inconveniences. So it will be like an investment of, it, there's going to be extra hassle with this. But uh, I think maybe, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd take your, I'd, I'd wait a few days before texting the loved ones. Because you don't want <laughs> you don't want them to be like to completely abandon this in about three weeks You're and then have and then not getting any texts off anyone and your WhatsApp is empty and then you turn that on once every six months and there's forty five messages on it like yeah, you know. yeah fair enough uh, but I'm just just to see if it's for you because it's a good idea yeah uh, it's a small obviously investment uh, well smallish anyway smallish yeah. uh, compared to what it would be to buy another new phone so it's worth a try I can switch the sim back at any stage exactly yeah so I just would um, what about your watch what's that linked up to or the, the uh, it's just a whoop thing oh I won't get that's that's not working on my <laughs> neck either yeah I'll find out if I'm healthy every few months <laughs> see the thing is Joe you've now abandoned probably where you used to listen to your podcasts I know that hit me music. in the drive-in <laughs> there's a lot of realisations <laughs> you should have talked oh, to us first I was so bored on the drive-in but that, sorry that was the point honest I, was, I, I didn't want to listen to the radio love radio but I just you know <laughs> uh, I, I, I wasn't too interested at that particular moment and does your new phone have an FM receiver on yeah it does yeah, yeah. something <laughs> but I, I did have that instinct where I was like oh I'll listen to a podcast on the way in didn't and it was deeply uncomfortable no see that, that's for me now like if, if I'm in the car for any le- length of time like on my own, it's like podcasts are my oh, they're my savior. Do you not think? And I have them say, and I love a, I have specific ones I like in the car. Can I ask you though? Are you not yeah. medicating yourself with endless distraction? Like, should you not be sitting? Are we not designed as human beings to sit with our thoughts and to be a bit bored and see what pops into our but head? I have very little time. I have very little time to myself. I would say, and that's and grand, fair enough. Maybe I should sit with my thoughts and have great ideas and. We talked a few weeks ago in bed or at three o'clock in the morning or in the shower or whatever. But you know, it's uh, do you not think it's important? Like, not okay, great ideas, but almost like for us to process things. That's our brains were designed to see. You can start overthinking things then as well. Well, that'll bring us on to Roy Keane in a minute, and I'm I'm definitely going down the Tommy Tiernan road here. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I know, but no, no, I look, I I I think there is room for processing, and we should probably make more time for it. And oh my god, I would love to have a solution that didn't mean me giving up my phone, but stop me scrolling. Like, stop me going, like going to bed and then at night, like this is a s- separate conversation, but oh, going, to, going to bed at night and saying, right, and having something to do, like so I have a book beside me or maybe I want to watch something or whatever it is, if I have some, if, if I'm not going straight to sleep, I'll go to bed a little bit early. It's, I love that time. And I will spend it, it'll be suddenly, I have to go to sleep now and I've done nothing. I'll be just sort of leaning on my elbow, yeah. about to grab the book I'm about to get, you, and I'll have just been scrolling like, through Twitter or Instagram, and I'll have done nothing. You and everyone. Like, yeah. think how the, the image, I mean, if we could see ourselves on our phone, the blue glow in a dark bedroom yeah. at half 12, 1am. That's why this is a move of crisis. Like, this is an acknowledgement that the algorithms are too good, the apps are too good, the internet's too good. Like, I'm defenseless against it. <laughs> I actually just have to. What are you going to do when you get bored? Play snake. <laughs> I don't, no, I surely it's not the phone. Be bored, I suppose, is not the point. Uh-huh. Like, I was quite bored on the drive in. I'm not looking forward to the drive home. Usually I get in the car and think, oh, podcast to listen to. That, that, yeah, that, that would annoy me and not having Spotify. Mm. That would throw me off. I wouldn't do that. I, I, for that alone, I wouldn't even entertain the thought of it. <laughs> I, like, I, you know what I mean? It's just that's too much. That's Yeah. You'll be better company when you're at home watching TV or a movie or something. Big time. Yeah, maybe unless your significant other or whatever wants to go on her phone. Yeah, I, I do think I do <laughs> in think which we case could I all be superior and say <laughs> I do think we could all get better at equalizer. putting down the phone. I've got way better at that in the last couple of years. I don't know if 
my wife would agree with me and maybe I haven't in my head I have though where it was like I would like just like Sue text in please I will look <laughs> I will look for the phone maybe after an hour or two so, <laughs> Jesus where's my phone and it's in a different room somewhere that would have never happened to me a few years ago that's good but you I'm, know I'm hoping that repeatedly picking this up and being bored by it I will then lose the impulse to pick it up all the time how many times have you reached for your phone to check something and picked up that and went oh I've kind of been at work really I just got a, a, and before I came in so I, I haven't had it very long I'm well, intrigued about next week. Will no one join me? Well, like, what do you do now when, like, the things, the different um, majors roll around? And, like, say you're you're out and about, you can't follow the full course of the thing, and you need to know what's happening. Like, everyone raised with that Masters app and stuff. But, like, why would I need to, really, when you think about it? I will I will now Watch enjoy... Watch the highlights on BBC. I'll enjoy what I'm doing out, and I will go <laughs> that home scores. and catch up on it. You know, this is the whole point. Like, we, we think we need to know what's happening all the time. We Master of the Day is going to be amazing. All the time. Yeah, like I'll still have a laptop. I'll still be connected. It's just it's you still not have your phone. <laughs> obsessive. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the I I feel like what you need to do. Look, there's a text in there saying about the, about having Nokia, but I I'd say what you need to do actually is learn to detach from what you have and not give up on all modern technology because there's loads of really good things in it too. Yeah, you it's know? too hard. It's too addictive. Yeah. Okay, maybe we're well, spending too much time on it. Uh, lads, I went back to the Nokia two years ago. It's a game changer. Ronan Galway, speaking my language. The 8810 Nokia has WhatsApp. Ah. Oh. Should have checked that. Use your smartphone and Wi-Fi. <laughs> and your dumb phone. Back to the shop. Yeah. Uh, have you got the 8810? <laughs> uh, so do that, it'll stop you scrolling. Use your smartphone and Wi-Fi. Yeah, see, I, can, I still have my, my uh, seamless iPhone, which I can use on Wi-Fi, and I'm still getting WhatsApps on it, so that's kind of handy. Uh, somebody says, dude, I have an iPhone and have none of the social apps or any of the SH1T that would keep me scrolling, alone in the car's paradise, staring out the window at the world. Ugh. I hope it's the front window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I just wanted to see if anyone would kind of play company. Pete, any interest? Can you see the appeal? Pete's always out there on TikTok when he's yeah. working. <laughs> yes. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Pete! 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 <laughs> I sit beside Pete every night and he just starts roaring laughing and I'm listening to the show and I'm like, this is the funny part of the show. What's going on? He's just looking at his TikToks. Yeah. Uh, I will... <laughs> not even denying that. I will report back in two to three weeks that you know how it's going. Mm. Uh, we'll take a short break. Sport after the break? That was a genuine, too much of a tangent. I apologise. One of the big talking points this week... Even Kenny was chatting about it off air. Was Roy Keane and Tommy Tierney. We're going to talk about that in just one moment. Your text into 53106. We are very much here in live. And you can email us, of course, at a slight tangent at offtheball.com. Back in one moment. Uh, welcome back. Uh, lots of texts in. I'll just race through them very quickly so we can get off the phone conversation. In short, I'm swapping my iPhone for a Nokia 3310. Uh, love the idea. Drive to work in silence. Trains the brain, says a texture. Exactly. What? To return to its intended state. Jeez, they uh, had radio in the cars in the like, 1950s. Like, what is this? Like, at the very least, turn on the radio. Do you know what? I'm not addicted to the radio. Yeah, exactly. So listen to the it. phones are different. Yeah. Uh, lads, you can get a device called a Mighty. It's not a phone, but it will work. Spotify. It's basically like an MP3 player that will download your podcast as well. There you go. Interesting. Interesting text as well. Joe, you're going to be a bit blue due to the drop in dopamine levels. Look up the Johan Harry book on attention. Yeah, I'm anticipating that, actually. I think I'm going to have withdrawal symptoms. There's that guy who's on uh, YouTube, again, just endlessly on YouTube phone, Andrew Haberman. He's a scientist of some kind. And 
Uh, he recommends actually the, that you should delay dopamine in the morning. And so what we all do when we wake up and we reach for our phone and we get onto Twitter initially, social media, and then even news sites, you know, it's, it, it, Prince Harry said this, rah, rah, rah. That's just like rush of dopamine in the morning. Lots of dopamine. And that's not a good way to start your day. If in the first hour or two, you can hold off on lots of dopamine. Hour or two? In particular, your phone. Get up, glance at your phone. Do I have any messages? Do I have any what, messages I need to get back to? What do you do then though? Yeah. I'm oh. curious. I'm not, I'm not being... First thing you should do, get sunlight on your face. Okay. And but then, it's still dark when I get up. Gonna be dark in the morning till about March. For like two hours. <laughs> I'm not saying go get sunlight for two <laughs> hours. Like wear, wear SPF if you're doing that. Get some sunlight. Get some air for a few minutes. Get yeah. some. Uh, make yourself a cup of tea. Go about your routine. Just a slow and steady start to the morning. Be much better for your put nervous on system. On the radio or put on something else. Yeah, you can if you want. Oh, okay. But be, uh, that first half hour, just a slow start for your nervous system will stand you in good stead for the rest of the day. Apparently, I don't know because I go on the phone, but I won't be going on my thirty-three ten. I mean, yeah. If you spent less time on your phones and more time thinking about the show, you might have a better name than a slight tangent, is that? <laughs> oh, um. uh, Kieran Mann says, good segment. I think Brian O'Driscoll's well entitled to a place in any world rugby GOAT debate, not just one conducted by Irish observers. We're very biased. I would agree, though. I really would agree. I think he's I up think there with anyone. But rugby's even harder than any of the rest of them, even like, just it's don't it's change so much. 25, 27 year professional, like <laughs> yeah. whatever. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah. Would anyone argue that just because I'm one of the best players in the professional era? No, for sure. For sure. And actually, I think, you know, we're talking about Dennis Irwin and possibly not people not realising it or whatever. I think Brian O'Driscoll is, I think people know around the world at what level he was at. You know what I mean? He's held in the correct esteem, I would say. Yeah. Mm. Roy Keane and Tommy Tiernan. This is one of the more interesting um, interviews you'll see. Yeah. So I watched it live. When did you watch it, Will? Saturday morning. Okay. Mick, you watch it today. I saw the last 10 minutes of it live. I didn't know it was on. I, uh, I record that show usually, so it was just flicking through. And then, uh, yeah, I watched the rest of it today. Arthur, Sorry, I Sunday morning. It the morning after. One. Morning after. Maybe it was, it was Saturday night. Went out. Yeah, okay. I saw it the next morning. I, again, I'm like Mick. I didn't know it was actually back. I saw a clip on social oh, media. Yeah. and then Quite a divisive interview. So and that's why I think it's a really interesting one to talk about. Was it a car crash or was it compelling? Can it be both? I think it might be. I think we're all compelled by car crashes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> No, but sorry, I mean, that's in the, as in TV crashes, I meant to say, Arthur, sorry. Sorry, there's but a grim truth there. I was caught in a, in a massive delay on the M50 because of rubbernecking of an accident the other side recently. I don't deny it, it's just, it's when you hear it said. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think it was a car crash, but that was a term used about it. And equally, and you know, it's interesting, uh, like a, a division over that point and then division over whether it was Roy's fault or Tommy's or, <laughs> uh, Tommy Tiernan's fault. Because like in some people's eyes, Roy can do no wrong. But I thought he was an unbelievably difficult interviewee. You ask a very fair question when you ask when we watched it. Yeah. Because I heard a lot more about it, obviously, in advance of me seeing it Same. than live. I have to say, I don't know why everybody thought it was so bad. Like, I mean, there was people, like people I would respect a lot, like Vincent Hogan, like, you know, on Twitter saying how terrible it was. I watched it live. Yeah. And therefore, I didn't have everybody telling me this is going to be bad. So when I saw... Fred Cook say Roy Keane yeah I went excited. oh man yeah. from heaven clear the schedule this is going he, Tommy and Roy are going to be in tears by the end this is going to get deep yeah so I had a huge expectation and that was a disappointment right and I've said this before I felt it with him on stage before I felt it in a recent interview on Skype which was, was impossible and there were other people in his room so I wouldn't even count that but certainly on stage at the board gosh 
Keane, if you want him to trounce all over Ferguson, if you want him to do certain things, he'll do it. If you encroach on anything more intimate, the shutters come down and he sees it a mile away. Mm. And I think Tommy found that out to the point where when he asked him, you know, what's the most difficult thing about parenthood? And Roy said, uh, nothing. Tommy, are you effing serious? Yeah. And then when he asked him about, what is it about dogs? And the answer was, I just like walking them. Tommy was like, are the questions too hard? And then he, he said to him, well, you're very guarded. Yeah. And I, I, that was almost the most revealing aspect of the interview. Roy is incredibly guarded. That's exactly what I want to say, though. It's like, what makes that bad television? Because Roy Keane is going to give a Roy Keane interview and you can talk to him about, you can talk all the things we've heard a million times before about yeah. his career. And that's what he was trying to go to all the time. And he was talking about, you know, how this, you know, he did this in his football career, he did that, and now he's, you know, he's happy just walking the dogs. And it's, it's, it's all interesting because you'd listen to Roy Keane read the phone book, right? But he said it all before and it's kind of flat, there's nothing deeper. But Tommy kept asking him and he didn't want to answer. And the interviewer on national TV tells him he's guarded, slags him about not answering the questions. I thought that was brilliant television. Yeah. Mm. Do you understand? Like, it, I don't think it was a bad interview. Yeah, sorry, I don't think you understand. It was a tussle. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> do you know what I mean, I suppose, is what I was trying to say. Yeah, I thought there was something really intriguing about that. I did wonder why and Roy, Roy wasn't. On, go, and Roy is an amazing stonewall. He just was like, even in the face of a completely different tactic than he would have seen before in an interviewer of someone who just wasn't given up was openly calling him on what he was doing mm. and Roy was still, still stonewalling which made it awkward and strange but you're not brilliant why do we want to see the same Late Late Show it's like people who want Tommy Tiernan he's so good on that show he should be on the Late Late Show it's like why so he can be on the late, do a Late Late Show interview yeah. so instead of this have 10 minutes you to know? ask pre-prepared questions exactly exactly so it's like I, uh, that's the type of thing you can only get in the Tommy Tiernan show so why people are disappointed with it I have no idea what do you want Roy Keane's not going to give you anymore we've seen the other interview so many times as well like I even think back to where some of the office earlier about the Vieira Keane sit down remember when Gary Neville had to walk around with him I think it was last summer which was great which was fantastic he was very open with Neville these are great watches but we have that kind of story already well I felt that Tiernan was Tiernan was trying to go into a slightly different direction I, I thought with Neville, Neville asked him about losing his father and got to some interesting places. I thought he was, he obviously trusts Neville instantly. Teammate, yeah. There was definitely, because the first half of the interview was far tougher than the second half. There was a degree behind the stone wall and the eyes, like the darting eyes, trying to work out what's, what's the hidden agenda here on Tiernan's part? Like, I thought he was really trying to work out what's going on here. Mm. Like, where are you going with that question? That's a weird question. Do you know what I thought from the outset too, and it maybe affected the interview slightly, it was very unusual having a TV audience back in on the Tommy Tiernan show again. I actually thought one of the things that worked quite well in the season just gone by yeah. was when it was empty. And we just had two people sitting across from each other and it was just the interactions between the two. Now, in a way, some of those awkward silences were maybe a little bit offset by the fact that you heard the audience in the background. But I wonder how that interview would have played out if there was actually nobody there. Usually he's very good with an audience, Keen, Like, because he knows he's so funny. He can mm-hmm. start playing them. But he resisted the temptation to... Play up to the crowd. Volley off them for some reason. That's why I, I, I just thought... I wonder, was he that keen to be there? But he obviously agreed to go on it That's with a known the format know. beforehand. Yeah. Mm. But he came on like someone who was like, not having this. Maybe he was expecting the late, late style interview when he went on. But surely he's watched Tiernan beforehand, or his people would have watched the show at least. Got the impression they'd met before as well when they shook mm. hands. Yeah. He's gone to see him, I think. I have something, some recollection in my head of Roy being a fan of Tommy Tiernan. Yeah. What did you think, Arthur? I think it was one of those things where it certainly was compelling enough that you certainly weren't ever switching it off. No. 
but I think it was one of those clashes of styles where um, Tiernan's approach, which is unique and kind of does such amazing things with certain-minded people, was never going to work at all. He was never. There was no. When I remember watching it from the minute watching it, it's like this isn't going to go anything like that. You're not going to break Roy Keane down by talking to him in this way and trying to go out of it. He's like, this not a, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain way to do things. And if you even go back to the one, that the show you and, and Nathan did together with him and thing, where it was so sort of assiduously researched and looked at and everything is examined from every angle beforehand and then you go in there and you do it. You get amazing stuff. Out we of still him. didn't get much intimacy though. You're not, he's, why would he, like I suppose it's, he's not, he's never sold himself on being intimate. It's true. <laughs> it's I think, like, do you know what's interesting? So I agree with you on the styles, like it was oil and water. Yeah. I think we have this great longing because of, he's such an interesting character and like, you know, the, the troubled and lost his temper and and like now he's got this aura and even the, the beard and everything I think there's this like real sense that he must be a very deeply profound thinker and so a lot of the questions head in that direction and his responses are all incredibly on the surface and I, I sometimes wonder if we are reaching for a personality type that isn't there I think he could actually just be a very straightforward person and yeah he listens to Bob Dylan but like yeah. that doesn't mean he's a philosopher either. And I think we sometimes almost position him with the questioning as if he's a philosopher. Do you smile at me there? I just thought that was a good that oh. was a good word to use on the just because you listen to Bob Dylan, you're not a philosopher. I often say that to Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that interesting thing, and it's not like that it's necessarily the same people, but as you I was saying it to you yesterday about your interview with Davy Russell. And I think you put it to him at some point that he, whatever the subject matter was, but thinking deeply about it. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of like, no, not really. I don't really think deeply. I just kind of act on feel. Yeah. And that's kind of, oh, that's that's Keen. And that, by the way, sorry, I'm not criticising Keen. Like, oh, no, that's no, not a criticism no, no. at all. For that's sure. Kind of an admirable. Actually sums up kind of what, he, what made him so great yeah. in some ways, doesn't it? Because it was yeah. like, work as hard as you can be the best teammate, trust the guy, you know, and, and like, do Don't overcomplicate Do your job yeah. and do so. And he talked about that even, like, you know, he talked about Oof. the best managers kept all every kept, kept it simple. simple. If you have to explain things to people, then they're not the right people, you know. If you actually, you mentioned the overlap, it's funny. Uh, one of the early questions Neville asked him is a bit deep and Roy goes, ah, oh, gosh, we're not going heavy, are we? That's a bit deep. He said that to him, which I thought spoke volumes. Mm. A singular minded character, though. I mean, I reckon Keane's the type of guy Assesses the situation, makes a decision, and he's peaceful. It moves on from there. What do you think Tommy felt about the interview? I think he probably would have hoped to get a bit more out of it. I think he would have thought that they would have connected. They both have a lot of interest in football. As the lads mentioned, if he's already going to his shows, he probably felt maybe that connection would be there beforehand before they sat down. But again, he went through his style of questioning and he tried to probe. And you can't exactly blame Tommy Tiernan for not trying to get the most out of the interview. But it kind of came away from it without feeling that I knew a huge amount more about Roy Keane. I'd say Tommy was probably the same. Was it an interview that could have done with, so like I love the format, I love the idea. Uh, was it an interview that could have done with prep in that like Tommy has the style of, <laughs> I, can understand, I don't know how he does it because he's asking these interesting questions, but obviously they're taking a while. They're, you know, he's kind of formatting them in his head as he's asking, he's trying to play off the moment. Does that give Roy too much time to stonewall too much time to kind of almost know what's coming to even to lose the moment even if he's not trying to stonewall you just like lose the moment a little bit because Tommy's reaching for it where sometimes that can be profound mm. because I don't know why it's just Roy's obviously a different character I just wonder if that's one where it's like if you want to get that out of Roy Keane do you need to come at it kind of I suppose most people go on uh, not trying to 
not Locked. give something. Yeah. Yeah. And when Tommy's working out questions, no more than us kind of here when we're rambling at times, but like when he's doing it and he's like trying very hard to formulate something, it's incredibly endearing. It's incredibly sincere. I think it's one of the reasons people respond to it because they can see. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's real. It's the best thing about it. Yeah. yeah. He has remarkable instincts and empathy when it comes to the answers that he hears as well. Yeah, yeah. He, I think Tiernan is genuinely one of those interviewers who listens brilliantly to what is coming back at him and is very good at then bouncing the question back afterwards. It's just in this case, he was been hit with quite a few short answers and maybe not going into the direction he probably hoped it would go into. Yeah. Not fearing silence is probably the greatest attribute as well. Like, totally. you know, but Roy's not afraid of it either, which <laughs> makes it tough. <laughs> it sure isn't. But you know, it's also uh, with Keane, what, what must be a curious aspect of his existence and why he was probably very defensive. So when he did really warm up and he gave something which was on his first date with his wife. So that, because of his stature now in England and in the English media, that's become like... Daily Mail, yeah. Everywhere and TalkSport are talking about it. And even Ali McCoy's told a really funny story and Ali tells it brilliantly about bumping into Roy on the beach in Qatar during the World Cup and they were the only two people on the beach and Roy had headphones in on a sun lounger and Ali was thinking... Will I, for the crack, go right up and sit on the next sun lounger to him and tell the story about? He went to him and said, "Don't worry, I'm not going to sit near you." And Roy just like closed his eyes again and gave a thumbs up, and that was the story. It was funny, but like, if you're Roy Keane, pretty much every interaction you're having with most people is going to be the stuff of radio anecdote within three years. Must be a weird sort of thing that every conversation, you're like, oh, I wonder, is this going to be told? On a, on, on a radio show and, and we're as guilty as anyone of saying tell us your Roy stories it? it is a trade-off in, that he makes yeah in terms of like when you take you, from the discussion from the news round you take Dennis Irwin as a literal comparable kind of figure who has in terms of achievement in terms of everything else doesn't have the same grip on people necessarily but he also lives a quite as far as we can private lifestyle does yeah. a bit of ambassadorial work for my United not much else that you know about but Roy Keane chooses to put himself out among numerous platforms as well with Tommy why is he doing it we don't know why he's doing it but he's not afraid of it he's not afraid you know what I mean I'm going to go on there and I'm going to give nothing <laughs> work that out for me and that'll work sorry I nothing's also, I also wonder did he give nothing because there was like again he was sort of he was blank on some of those kind of high profile questions but I, I you know the small like he's trying to almost yada yada what he does at home with his mam and there's an interesting bit of like you know that he couldn't. He couldn't go back to Cork and just relax. And as you get older, he just like he just goes yes. to be at home yeah. and to to watch TV. And there's, a, I thought there was about ten little moments You're like right, that, actually. just little things like that. I, but but on his meeting of his wife, that's all oh, a great story because he tells a bit of a story about it. He didn't. He, he he. That's him dancing around how he actually properly met his wife. Because it's like, how do you meet the next time? Ah, oh, we just had a few drinks or whatever. Do you know what I mean? There's no actual... <laughs> how do they actually get to know each other? How do they actually get together? Yeah. You know? When you think about it, could you imagine being on that show and being asked about how you met your wife and having to talk about it? I'd be like, there's not a chance I'm talking about that with you. It's the weird thing. Yeah, no, it is. It's the, the requirement to be personal. You know, you go on that thing. It's like, but why do you go and do the interview? Yeah. But at the same time... Does he really need to give us that part? He's a footballer, like, you know. 53106 gives you thoughts. We've about uh, 10 minutes left here. So I'll move off that. Will I? Do we need to say any more about that? I believe so. Nah. Okay. I have jotted down. You can all tell me where you want to go. Uh, Mayo Greatness came up yesterday. Jack Grealish came up. Well, more so between you two. Yeah. Mick and Arthur. Yeah. Pep Guardiola well, said about Jack Grealish, without the ball... 
help each other and with the ball being in the right position to get it. At Aston Villa, Jack Grealish uh, was told, do whatever you want. Here it's different. We've spoken a few times with Jack about positions. Honestly, it's not difficult. I don't know what the talking point is in that clip. or in that. <laughs> Mick, Mick raised the point. Mick raised the point. I countered it. Oh. So he let him, let him go. So what I was saying is, is there something to be said for, is, is there something to talk about about buying a player and then stripping them of their best qualities? So what made Jack Grealish a £100 million player? He wasn't a £100 million player, but what made Man City pay that amount of money for him was what he was doing at Aston Villa was that player, and was the player that, by the way, when he went into the England team, electrified them in doing that kind of stuff, you know? Uh, but he wasn't good enough because he played at Aston Villa. We'll get, you know, or sorry, not Aston Villa, but that he didn't play for Man City, I suppose, is, is, is what we'll get to in a sec. So I'm just wondering, I, I started off as a, should we have a conversation about, you know, Mourinho and Damien Duff comes to mind for me. It's like, we never saw the 2002 World Cup versus Spain, Damien Duff, after maybe six months at Chelsea, he became a different type of player. Still a brilliant player and has achieved unbelievable things in the game, but was never doing that kind of stuff again because he had to fit into a system that had loads of other good players as well. So I'm not saying even that you shouldn't do that, but when it's someone as specific as Grealish, him doing whatever he wanted sounds like, oh, he's playing with a bunch of Egypts. And that was, there's a talent in that. You have to be in the right place. You have to know where to be, wherever you want, and then do the right thing, make the right runs, etc. It was what it was a natural. Some would say natural talent. I don't know. Maybe it was coached, but it was a talent that he had that made him an exciting player, made him the t- the player that everybody wanted in the England team, and made him the player that Manchester City bought. And he's not that now. Has he been refined though? Is that your take? Well, my take on it is that you can't be that. The reason he is that is because I, I think it is a difference in that sort of thing. I know it's a slightly exaggerated thing, but when you have someone who's say, a, a professional footballer who's destined to become professional at, say, 14, playing at that level, at that age level, and one guy stands out a mile. Or like even, you know, the, you always hear about different players who start off when they're younger, they're playing as an attacker or a midfielder, and then with time they're pushed back into a different position because there is refined when the levels get better and you're playing with better players who are better at that level and such and such and so on. So granted, the move from Aston Villa to Man City is not that. But my point about it is he can't play like he played at Aston Villa at Man City because Man City... And any team in that top six don't have the amount of space yeah. coming in out of attack and or they into an attack. Players. But yeah, so th- so the system is by necessity change. But my point is that it's like yours. He can so uh, the famous thing or the notable thing with him at Villa wasn't it that he was the most foul player in the league, mm. which means he was just all the time. Every time he got the ball, he's encouraged go with it, and you keep getting foul, keep getting foul, keep getting foul, whatever. At Man City, obviously the system is completely different in terms of he needs to keep that ball moving because it's not him that needs to be moving. But the fact, and was, as was shown last week when he came off or when he came off the bench against Chelsea in the 1-0, it took one moment of magic for him to get that ball across the box, Maris puts it in, that's it. He's justified his worth in that. He doesn't need to be keep running, running, running all the time to get fouled. He's a player of such exquisite technical ability yeah. that he can do it in the, in the most high pressure moments away to Chelsea in that kind of situation. And my point is that He's not that good when he's at Aston Villa. He comes to Man City to become as good as he can be. Well, that was a separate point, I think, wasn't it? That we were arguing about the... Uh, I was saying that there's an automatic sense that you're a better player. And Kenny made the exact same point in the news and I was laughing because we were arguing about it before. You're not automatically a better footballer because you play for Manchester City than when you played for Aston Villa. He went to uh, the Euros and suddenly Gareth Southgate was like, oh, look... I know I haven't picked you, despite all of the all of the um, 
shouts for your inclusion, but now you're main part of the team because he signed for City that summer. You know what I mean? It's like a, a week after he's suddenly a better player. I do think, obviously, over time, you should become a better footballer in the right circumstances with right coaching, playing with better players and in a better setup. I absolutely agree with that. I don't think it's a guarantee as well, though, because if you are a very specific type of player... what it, it, So, Man City can't let Jack Grealish be Jack Grealish, right? I agree with that. But why are they buying him then? To, to, to asset collect like, because, you know he can, what I mean? because he can become better that's the, the version of him in Aston Villa is not the best Jack Grealish there is the best Jack Grealish is the Jack, Jack Grealish at City or when, at where he would be a year down the but line I, but I think you need someone that's like in a, like in, that fits into a system that can do a certain job there's probably other players that are better suited to that than the mercurial dribbler I'm not I'm not sure there is like it, like it, it's obviously a tight market and his English nationality wise helps but it, it doesn't yeah, work like that asset collector I don't think so. Guardiola has a long track record of doing this, though. You think of Davide being moved over to the left-hand side so that Messi could play centrally within that Barcelona team. You think of Riyad Mahrez, who had to probably dull some of his natural instincts that he would have had to Leicester when he goes to Man City. Bernardo Silva's had to change his position quite a bit. There's loads of players at City, I'm sure, would love to be taking on players individually and running at them the way that Jack Grealish is really, really good. Mm. But obviously they have to buy into the overall system. And Grand, but it's a Stepford Wives thing and whatever. And so De Bruyne runs the show. So why buy a player like Grealish and then say, well, you you were doing whatever you wanted at that club. This is the big time now, so just stand there and, and do it. And Joe, I'd actually be interested in what you do because I, I think Arthur's point makes sense. And he did have a great moment there the other day. We just haven't seen too many of them. But you've been frustrated watching Grealish for the last year. Yeah, it definitely was last year. It's just, like he's looking very complete right now, though. I think the he's the been he's been slated widely for his performances so far this season. Has he? Not. Yes, he has. Not Jack this Grealish. season. No, not this season. He's looking better this year. I do think when he went there, he was lost. But that's fine. That takes things take time. Yeah, it, like, like the, he's twenty seven. Like, <laughs> but sure, you're so like that doesn't make a difference. I'm just saying, like, okay, he's spending the best years of his career trying to get up to speed at Man City. Certainly, like. less exciting player to watch. Yeah, but maybe but you weren't watching Villa. It wasn't. It wasn't anywhere near the World Cup team now this year. You know. But that's I mean, unfortunate, though. That's because they they have who they have in terms of Foden, in terms of Saka, in terms of different players, and and also England don't play like Man City play. Yeah, and yeah, let's come back to that. Actually, let's come back to it. Can I give you a writer reply from yesterday's conversation on Mayo? Oh, go on. The rest of us won't really be able to jump in. We'll do if you can. Mick and I have had our say. <laughs> go on. In short, on the back of Lee Keegan, we were saying our Mayo great team. Is that a great team? As everybody's good as the Cork team that won in All Ireland, uh, better than plenty of teams who did win in All Ireland. They happen to be against the greatest of all time. Uh, basically, as good as Dublin, they're thereabouts, millimetres, the difference. So if they're the greatest team of all time, then Mayo are certainly a great team. We should talk about them as one of the great teams, one of the great teams in Gaelic football history. Mick and I agree with that. You said... Uh, I disagree. I, I think that you wouldn't. You're not measuring out Dublin's greatness by how they performed in All-Ireland finals. You're measuring it out through the, whatever it was, that six or seven years where they were literally unbeatable. Yeah. Mayo were never that. Mayo pushed them, but teams push other teams. So not greatest of all time for sure, but... But not, no. Not, not a like, great team. I, like, comp- again, I, no. Not, I think that there has to be some degree of you actually achieve what you set out to achieve. At least once. So would you, you'd have that Cork team that won in 2010. They're ahead of Again, we're like I wouldn't. They're I, not considered. All Ireland Ireland no one considers. Winning in All Ireland doesn't mean you're a great team either. Yeah. But then, it's not hard to hold it against Mayo for not winning in All Ireland. No, because I think that is a prerequisite at least. Okay, but, but if you, Dublin are the though? best ever, it yes, it is in it is. Dublin's time though. Yeah, well, sure. Like, but why not? Like, that's that's you know, in Kerry's time, like the furthest Sligo ever got in All Ireland semi final, they lost to Kerry. 
Kerry went on to win the All Ireland. You know that that's your chance. You wouldn't. You know it. Nobody remembers. Ah, but there was again. It was that. It was the thirteen point. It was fourteen to the greatest games of all time against Kerry. It was fifteen. Uh, I can't even remember what happened in 15, 16 replay and then by a point and then 17 probably the best match of all time to lose by a point that era that four or five years I, I just think that like if it was if Dublin didn't exist you know they're a great Indeed. dance partner for probably the greatest team of yeah, all but time that but if we to use that the direct comparison Mayo and their the Tipperary team that stopped Kilkenny's five in a row are they greater than the Kilkenny team that they stopped but if the best team ever weren't there but they were there <laughs> yeah, but how does that how does that affect sure, what how about? good Mayo were? If Mayo had won all the finals, but how does that affect how good Mayo were? How does it affect? They didn't win. But I, sure, but it's I think even if they won, we when the final whistle blows, it's all relative. It's all relative to who's around you. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's, that's that's the nature of it. There's no team at the minute say pushing Limerick and what they're doing in the hurling. Do you not agree they're very unlucky the era they were in? That no. in almost any era they probably would have won. What era? Would they like they played also? They played Donegal. They lost the final. They lost the final and semi-finals to Kerry. Yeah, it was too early for them in twelve. Stop. Though. They'd been in finals three or four times in the noughties. Nineties. Yeah, but that wasn't great Mayo teams. They were doing very well to get through to finals. That's, nobody's it's, it's arguing that every team that loses an All Ireland final is a great team. It's this one team. It's still the same way it went. Mm. Their record is insane. They were never out of the top four for about ten years. Maybe longer. Yeah. I was surprised that James Horne didn't shoot it down. He was willing to accept the tag of great. We have to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> I feel like we're returning to Mayo and Grealish. Yes. Let's do at it. At some stage. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. That was A Slight Tangent. You'll be able to podcast the full conversation. Just search A Slight Tangent and you'll find us there. Uh, Will, Mick, Arthur, thank you very much. We're back. Uh, I think next week we'll try and do it. So we'll talk to you then. <laughs>